I'm Rob. I'm a white, straight male. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm on a journey of trying to recognize and struggling with my own privilege. And I'm Tracy, and I am a white female who's also straight, married, and also on a journey about learning about my privilege in this world. Welcome to the Overly Human Podcast, where we discuss all things human in the workplace, because it's not just business, it's personal too. I think, Rob, we're both on this journey, maybe in different places on the journey, because we've only talked a little bit about it, but we are realizing that it's a journey. We are realizing that the people around us are in different locations on the path. And a lot is going on in this world and in our companies and with our clients. And how's the journey been for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big question. Um, I've been in working in tech for um, over 20 years now, um, been running Sparkbox as an owner for over 11. And uh, it's been a lot of change because, I mean, I grew up, you know, middle class and uh, very much, you know, had to earn, thought I was earning what I, what I was getting and all of those things. And I remember being early in my career and, you know, very much thinking that it was a meritocracy that, you know, everything was fair and the systems were equal. And when I first started seeing articles that were dealing with gender bias and some of the other things that, you know, are pervasive in tech, I really reacted kind of internally, you know, like, that's not true. Like, I, I've worked with plenty of, you know, female software engineers, and I pointed to all the examples of where I thought it was wrong. And just didn't deal with it because I didn't have to. Um, and, you know, I, I think that so much of that was based on the fact that I confronting what I thought I had earned all by myself was, you know, was core to who I was. And I think that's interesting that you put it that way is that, it's almost that believing that everything you worked for, you earned 110% on your own is so tied to understanding bias and privilege. And it's a very, very deep topic, right? And it, it does take perspective and understanding. You almost have to float above yourself and really understand something way outside just your individual experience. And I know for me, you know, I also grew up middle class. I grew up in a very, very diverse world because I grew up in South Florida. So with a ton of immigrants and a ton of different ethnicities, um, my grandparents were immigrants and I'm married to an immigrant. And so I have a very... Um, you know, kind of diverse perspective. And then I moved to the, the Midwest and I also entered into the business world as a female. 
and you start to learn more about your own biases when you're put in certain situations. And we all have them as one that I learned. We all have biases. And I think that's the first step in understanding this is it doesn't matter how you grew up, where you grew up, what you were given or not given. We all have biases. And also, I think understanding more about what it's like to be a woman in a business world. Um, that journey was really interesting. And also the journey of understanding how women sort of broke through barriers was interesting for me as well. It's understanding that, you know, we protested and marched as well to get voting rights, but ultimately we didn't have the power to decide whether we were going to get them or not. That, that right was voted on and given to us by white men, thankfully, right? But it could have not happened. And I think, you know, it's really interesting when you look at yourself in that big picture, you know, we're a country that's not that old in comparison to the rest of the world. Um, and we're a country that, you know, was founded with great founding fathers, with great intentions, um, yet we still struggle for equality and we still struggle um, for people to have an equal opportunity at things. And what I think was interesting when you were talking, as you said, you know, I, I learned to deal with it. I didn't have to deal with it. You know, when you were talking about biases in the tech world, like you had that choice, you had that luxury of, I can think about it or not think about it really. Um, and I think that's part of privilege, right? Is even us having this conversation today, we made a choice to have this conversation today. We didn't really have to look at, discuss, or think about racism. We're two white people and we have the privilege of saying, you know what? I just would rather not. It feels uncomfortable. I really don't like it. I don't know what to do about it. I'm confused. And we have that luxury of saying we don't have to think about it or even believe it exists. You know, a lot of people have made that choice, too, to just believe racism doesn't exist. And yet. Right there, you know, the people that we know, our friends are black brothers and sisters and um, other people of other ethnicities, they don't have that that privilege to just say they don't have to think about it no, or worry about it. It's, it's, it gets back to that. I, this whole concept of what is the default, right? Like mm -hmm. we, the default is assumed to be the majority, which happens to be white. And in the business world, it also historically has happened to be male. And if mm. you are both of those things, then you don't have to think about these ideas because they were systems built by and for you and the ways that you act and the defaults of what we the testosterone, right? Like all that's baked mm -hmm. into the cake together. And, you know, that's a really complicated thing to realize is that, you know, you look around and you just assume that all of the other fish are just happy in the water that we're all swimming in. And that's not the case. It's, right. it's not, you know, like, and some of these systems that we're talking about were actually built 
to not be hospitable to some groups. And that's, that's where it even becomes even worse. And, you know, one of the things I think you said is this whole idea of bias. And yeah, we all have biases. And I think one of the important pieces of work that we need to do individually is turn unconscious bias into conscious bias. So at least we're aware of it. Like yes. the unconscious bias is so dangerous because it's little judgments and big judgments we're making that we're not even clued in on. And this is happening because we assume that so much is right and that we have the same perspective and the same experiences, that those are the default. But at least if we do the work and understand that we have unconscious bias, we have a chance to, to do something, to get in front of that cycle. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, and we talked about this right in our opening, is this journey that we're all on. And I think what can one of the reasons why I want to say that we all have bias is because we're all, none of us are fully evolved. None of us have this all figured out. None of us can honestly say we live without any prejudice or any bias. And I know people would argue with me on that. But the reason why I think it's important to point out that we're all in different parts of this continuum and all in different places in this journey is because the danger comes when there is somebody who's who's just still struggling with even, is this real? Is white privilege real? Does racism actually exist? And then you have people who feel like they're way down the path and they're very evolved and they're really well-read and they start shaming the people that are just sort of like struggling with understanding this and understanding the reality of it and their place in it. And then on top of their struggle, they feel shame and guilt, which then makes them feel angry. And they start wrestling with all these emotions and then they shut down and we've made no progress. And so can we, you know, realize that people are in different places in this journey and help each other along. And I think that's just a really important thought because we're working as teams and we may think we know what somebody else on our team thinks, but we might not, or we may start to lead these discussions or have a book group or whatever, try to to educate ourselves as a team in the workplace, as many companies have committed to doing, and then are we handling it well? Are we being overly human when we're dealing with each other? Yeah, I think that's really, really important and how we lift each other up. And I would go one step further and one thing you were saying is that I do think everyone has biases full stop because we are all live in a system and mm. an environment that is biased when we live in that environment and that's everybody that's the big all <laughs> then mm -hmm. everybody doesn't have a choice because we all are products of that system and if we really want to do better it takes intentional effort and mm -hmm. if the default and inertia is what we have then by doing nothing, we will continue to have what we've always had as far as culture and defaults and norms and all of that. It takes active energy and attention to make progress in this, which is why it feels so exhausting, is because you are literally fighting every system that's in place. 
yes. all the time by doing something different and trying to have equality, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, like all the things that we were told as kids, you have to fight against that. All the things that you think happened, you know, like those struggles were real, but you may have just had an edge or not had the punishments of making mistakes or some of those other pieces. And, right. you know, it's so, so important that we we start to think about the bias that exists in the systems so that we can do something about those things. And if we're, you know, we're talking mostly to leaders and business owners on this podcast, at least that's what I believe, mm-hmm. um, is like that means you have to intentionally design your systems to not be that if you don't want to be the norm. Yes. Yes. And I think understanding that this is a systemic problem is key because there are a lot of people having arguments about who's a racist and who's not a racist. This isn't about like racist versus not racist and racism just equals being mean. We're talking about systemic breakdown here, right? And the sooner we see it that way, then we don't absolve ourselves of participation, right? So I'm going to speak really broadly here, but liberals might say that conservatives are racist and therefore they're the bad people. And conservatives might say, well, racism doesn't really exist. So what's the problem, right? These are very sweeping examples. But both sides have absolved themselves of participation because I can say, well, I'm not a mean racist, so therefore I'm not participating, and therefore I'm good. I'm good, right? And that's not a good way for me to operate. I need to sit exactly in what you're saying, which is this doesn't have anything, This it does have something to, to do with me and my morality and my actions, but it's deeper than that. It's not just me agreeing to be a nice person and not to come across as a racist. It's me intentionally breaking down the system, breaking down and rebuilding it in a way that's better and more equal. You know, like Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence, right? He wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And then a decade later, what did the founding fathers write into the Constitution? that slaves were three-fifths of a person, mm-hmm. right? So there is where it started. Well, it started with slavery, but that's just a great example of the system. And then we could go on and on and on and on about all the different laws and things that were denied. And, um, you know, the more you read about it, the more you see that, you know, the disparity in income, wealth, education, health, incarceration, all of that is is just to a staggering degree tied to ethnicity. Um, and so you're right, it is a system. And it's a, a system that um, unfortunately is based on exclusion or based on a group of people being thought of as less than. And so we have a lot of work ahead of us and it's gonna take all of what you, you said it beautifully, the intentionality of us leaning into rewriting the system yeah and i think that's you know it all starts on a personal level Mm. with being able to be okay with being wrong 
and not fighting to be right. And I think that's such a key piece of all of this is I have yet to meet the person who has made progress on this journey of struggling with their own privilege that hasn't grappled or dealt with the fact that there's things they thought they were sure of that they're wrong about. And I think that that's like something that I've kind of taken out of this and like started trying to like live my life by is always being open to being wrong and being okay with it because wrong things in my past are indicators of growth oftentimes. And I think that there's a perspective flip that we Mm. can go through to say that like the almost a little bit, the more I've wrong, more I'm wrong, the more I've learned because Mm. either I have all the answers up front, which I know is not true. And I don't think anybody does. And I think that, you know, like we have to grapple with that and, you know, like it's just a huge piece of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've had so many of my clients ask like, what do I do? I don't, I feel, you know, a bit helpless. Um, How do I get myself further down the journey? How do I help the people around me get further down the journey? And you've hit on the very first step, which is education. We have to educate ourselves with the right information, with valid, true, good information. And you are describing a certain level of vulnerability there, right? We like to feel right. There's a safety in feeling right and being right for a lot of people. And it's a different uh, degrees depending on your ego and your struggle with ego. I'm going to get a little more psychological here. But A lot of people are resistant to information, to more information, to learning more, to reading more, because they know that will challenge their way of thinking, maybe the way they were raised to think, maybe their belief systems, maybe just the comfort in being right and feeling right. It may wrestle with so many different things, you know, their political beliefs, anything. And that's scary to people. And that vulnerability of admitting you don't know it all is a real step. It's a true step, you know? And so I think what we want to strive for is knowing the most we can about a subject. Whatever that subject is, we need to look at both sides of the argument. And the my, my uncle who just passed away, I loved him so much. He had such a great influence on me. And one of the best pieces of advice he gave me when I went off to college is he said, The biggest way that you can look like a fool, Tracy, is to not have read both sides of the argument. Don't ever get stuck arguing just one side of an argument. You need to read, as uncomfortable as it might make you feel, read the other side, understand the other side. It was the best piece of advice he could have given me going into college where everything, the world is your oyster and all the books are there and the information is there is to really open yourself up to learning. That doesn't mean you have to jeopardize your beliefs or put your morals on a back burner or or change your politics or anything. You don't have to do any of that. The, The knowledge is just going, hopefully will make you feel stronger, right? And more well-equipped to, to guide you down this journey of understanding. And yes, in the case of what we're talking about today, um, race and, inequality, it is going to challenge your thinking. It is, you're never going to get to where you need to be 
down this journey if you don't open a book, if you don't read something. And I think it's like, that's really important. But I think, and I love the idea of reading like both sides, but I think it's also perspectives too. Like you Mm -hmm. need to digest all of the different perspectives that go into this conversation. Like as two, you know, middle-class white people who had success and have families and children, there are things that we've, we, we would never have and never will experience. Yep. And what I think is you have to open yourself up to is when you read someone else's perspective and experience, you have to default to believing what they say and mm. believe that that's how they felt and were made to yes. feel and yep. not like jump to, well, that's not true. That doesn't exist. Like it's okay. You have to trust people from where they're at and find good sources and all of that. But like, I just, there is, I've learned so much by reading so many things um, and from so many different perspectives and actively seeking out new play, new inputs, because, you know, like if, if you're like me, my default, you know, um, environment was just feeding me more of what I was reflecting on them. And only when I started being intentional about seeking out new things and new perspectives and some probably radical things, especially definitely seemed radical for me at the time, like was like, oh, oh, I didn't know that was out there. Didn't know that existed. Okay. Mm -hmm. But but sitting with it, struggling with it and then making informed decisions is such a huge part of this journey. Um, Oh, yeah. And really, I want to stress that they're informed by good sources. I mean, we know, you know, you're in the tech world for decades. I was in television world. I know that there are so many things that look real and can be designed to look valid and the story to look real, but it's not. And, you know, I just want to encourage people, you know, television is designed to win audiences. We said that we say that all the time in television is like, we want to win people over and we, we try to win them over by making them feel comfortable and right. And, and so you have to push beyond what you're watching and you need to push and, and really read and, um, and interact with people who are well-educated on these topics and who are known and who are well-versed. And like you said, have perspective, have walked in these shoes, understand and can articulate what it feels like. And I think that's really, really important because we can fall into these lazy habits of just hearing a snippet on the news or seeing a YouTube video and thinking it's hundred percent real and then quoting it all over the place. And and that's not education. That's not education. That's just uh, so more had, feeding our ego. <laughs> it is. So you had a second thing. So the first one yes. was education. And you had a second one as well. The second one is empathy. Mm. We are not going to get anywhere down this journey without our ability to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And, you know, you were hinting at this before with perspective. And and the thing that fights us with empathy, especially in America, is just our individualism. I mean, we like to protect ourselves, think about ourselves, our own situations, what inconveniences us, our, our freedoms, um, how is this going to hurt me? And when we get into that mindset, it's a slippery slope and it's a hard abyss to climb out of. 
but we need to climb out of that individual mindset and really start walking in other people's shoes. And the best way to put yourself in somebody else's shoes is to talk to somebody. You know, and if we're talking about racism, you need to talk to an African-American and ask them, what's it like? What's it like? And about any of these topics, what's it like to look at that statue? What's it like to work in this environment? What's it like to interview for a job? What's it like to talk to a white male boss? What, I mean, all you have to do is get perspective from somebody that's not like you and just hear their journey and keep asking these questions. Empathy takes a lot of curiosity. It does. And I think there's a couple things there that are important. You know, like you said, talk, I heard, listen, Mm -hmm. you need to listen to those perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I also want to make sure that we're encouraging people to do your homework first. Don't put the onus on educating you mm-hmm. on other people. There's lots of things to read. It's yes. The internet's an amazing thing. And you can find tons and tons of articles about perspective and all of that. And I think that's a really important piece to this is making sure that, you know, we're not putting the onus on the people who have to live this every day to educate us when there is so much great writing out there. And, you know, you can do that work. I mean, some of the most valuable conversations I've had on these topics, of course, have been with people that have experienced them firsthand, but those are earned conversations in a lot of cases. They're not the first conversation I've had with some with that person, right? It's an earned mm-hmm. thing out of a relationship and to a place of trust that where there is that empathy and there's that grace to be able to have that conversation in a, in a safe place. Yeah. And I think what empathy does is it helps when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it helps us to understand why that's important. And one of the things of understanding why inclusion is important is to understand what exclusion feels like. And that's what empathy does. It helps you to understand what it feels like to be excluded in a design, to be excluded when you look at a television screen or a movie screen and you don't see anybody like you, when you see things that don't at all represent your culture or aren't sensitive to you, it's putting yourself in somebody else's shoes to feel what that feels like, you know? And I don't think we do that enough as white people as to understand what's the benefit of inclusion and why is it important And what does it feel like to not be, to not see yourself, to not be included? Yeah. And I think that, you know, like we could sit here and talk about like all of the different studies that show that diversity is good for business and this, that, and the other, and how collaboration and diverse perspectives. But I think that for me, this is, this is a moral issue. This is what's Mm -hmm. right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to make business cases for what's right and wrong. And, you know, like, I, I just want, to, like, I think that, you know, being able to say that to your, our teams and say, this is why we're doing this. This is what we're doing. And this is a journey we're going to go on together. It makes it really clear about expectations and where they're being led. Um, you know, not that everyone will take the same path or the same speed, 
but you know, like there's a direction that you're headed and you know, you might have some people opt out. I know that it feels like we have over the years as we've kind of gone through this journey with our company. And, you know, at first it kind of was a bummer. And then I kind of accepted like, no, this is no different than any other direction we take. There's people that either agree with where we're going and our values or they don't. Mm-hmm. And how do I make yeah. peace with that? Yeah. And I think that's, that is what being intentional is about. That's what being anti-racist is about. If you don't feel like racism is a good thing, then you need to be against it. And I think that's a bold step for some people and for other people, it's a very easy step, but you're right. It can lead to people leaving your company. It can lead to tension on your team. It can lead to a level of dysfunction for an amount of time. And you have to be able to enter into that, knowing it's possible and being okay with it. And also being the leader that's going to step up and engage. You're not going to be the leader who's like, okay, you know, let's have the discussion and I'm going to sit back. You need to lean in and be part of it and to be active and, you know, to create that safe space for everybody who's on the journey and to be empathetic to people along the way. But I think the the best way we can move things forward are, you know, really focusing on these two avenues of educating ourselves, kind of putting our ego aside, being more vulnerable, not feeling like we have to be right um, and safe, but allowing ourselves to, to venture out and learn the most we can about the subject from valid sources and being empathetic, putting ourselves in other people's shoes, walking, just a day in the life, you know, and, and really understanding what it feels like for me, it's what does it feel like to walk around this world, walk around even my town, my city with a different color skin. What does that feel like? You know, and I've had friends say, you'll just never know. I can't articulate what the looks of suspicion, fear, you know, trying to convince people I'm not a threat. Um, you know, the just, it's, I can't, I don't know what that feels like. I never will, but man, I can try. I can try. Tracy, I just want to say, I appreciate having, being able to have this conversation with you. Yeah. I appreciate having this conversation with you. I think, you know, we're both on this journey and we're both trying and, um, there's such a long way to go, but I've, I'm hopeful for that. You know, I'm hopeful for what lies ahead. And I think you and I can keep holding each other accountable along the way. I'd like that. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. This podcast would not be possible without the amazing communications team at Sparkbox. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and tell your friends to listen as well. The Overly Human podcast is brought to you by Navigate the Journey and Sparkbox. For more information on this podcast or to get in touch with Tracy or Rob, go to OverlyHuman.com. Thanks for listening.